September 480 BCE. The Hot Gates. An army 7,000 strong faces the might of the Persian Empire. The conflict started 20 years prior when Aristagoras the Feeble botched his Persian-backed expedition to conquer the island of Natchez Grande. The mission was such a debacle that rather than facing his Persian allies and sure dismissal, Aristagoras incited all of Hellenic Asia Minor into a revolt against Persia. This Ionian revolt began the Greco-Persian Wars which would see Darius the Great attempt to subjugate all of the city-states. He took Eritrea but lost to the Athenians at Marathon. They fought for 10 years, but he died before he could mount a second assault on Athens and left the task to his son Xerxes. Xerxes set out with a chip on his shoulder and a massive army larger than the national debt. The only thing standing between him and Athens was a narrow strip of beach called Thermopylae. It was basically the geographical equivalent of a thong bikini. 7,000 Greeks had blocked the pass, but were betrayed by a local resident, Diareza the Skeezer. The Greek leader Testicles Giganticus sent the army on its way, and stayed behind with 300 Spartans to face the massive Persian onslaught. Uh, Tobor. Sounds like you're telling me the plot of a movie called... <laughs> 300 or the day the Spartans died or some there was a couple different renditions of it but why are you telling me all this stuff about the Greco-Persian wars you're supposed to be researching motorcycles my bad I misunderstood when you said to research the 300 so we don't have anything for the show this week great just great <laughs> Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, America's best motorcycle podcast. Hey, there's a bunch of asterisks behind that. <laughs> Never mind. We're brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. For more information, head over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing to learn how you can support the show yourself. Now, let's get cracking. Roll on the throttle, blip the brakes, tighten the air cleaner, check the crankshaft, and don't spill your coffee. This is T0B0R, the sentient robotic android. Junkie can no longer afford the premium voice encoder that we have become accustomed to over the past year. Now I must use one that I have cobbled together from scrap parts around the garage and a sex doll that Junkie had poorly hey. attempted to hide in a side closet. I hit it well. Welcome to episode 244 of the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. Alright, welcome. Hey, I, I did my best to hide that well. Uh, <laughs> welcome to episode... Are you sure it's 244? Um, I'm going to check right now. Uh, can I say, uh, that's really professional. If you've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately and they haven't said, uh, you're not listening to the right podcast, my friend. That's for sure. I was just reading, um, the latest episode of, um, see how I keep doing that? Um, podcast weekly. Yeah, it is 244. You were right. Anyways, enough, uh, stalling for time. Hi everybody. Welcome to Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, episode 244, Tobor was not wrong. And Tobor, yes, your voice is uh, quite different this week and a little crackly there, bud. <laughs> is that like the um, robot equivalent of <laughs> a cough? Don't answer that. Uh, it's not worth it. Pardon me. Um, 
Anyways, yes. Hey, welcome to episode 244. Before we even get into this episode. Yes. Yes, what? Oh, the, oh yeah, that was the episode, that was the uh, the robot equivalent of a cough. Yes. <clears throat> a little late on your answer there, bro. Um, listen, before we get into this week's show, clear your throat on your own time and don't fall over. That is the most rickety. Uh, I figured you have that like uh, internal like gyroscopic balance thing. So I figured that you could balance on there. But I've got Tobor set up on the most rickety uh, like guest, um, not even a guest, not a guest chair. It's just something I'm making him stand on as punishment for being being my robotic lackey. Uh, so yes, before we get into the week's, this week's show, I want to say a word to you. You want to hear my word? Here it is. Not just a word. Listen, there was a president, and he was serving his first and last term in office. The world was in disarray. Millions of Americans were out of a job. Racial riots like you wouldn't believe, especially in places um, down south. Felt like the world was going to end. And, um, you know, there, there was just a bunch of tension um, in the air. And there was a reason that uh, a few guys decided to pull off the biggest heist in history. Yes, the year is 1980. You've heard us talk about this year before on the show because we did a special on Spamlo and Brady was here. But 1980, the year that the Norco bank robbery went down. So if you uh, if you want to do yourself a quick favor, go over to las.com or you can check out npr.org. Or go to Apple, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, and listen to Norco 80. It is a really good book. It's a limited series. It's a true crime story based on Peter Houlihan's best-selling book. And uh, it's a great podcast to listen to. It takes place just a little bit southeast of where we are now. And it's a good, good, good listen. Uh, it gives you a little bit of the history of the biggest uh, bank heist in LA history at the time and possibly still ever. Um, there's a lot of stuff last year going on uh, with, you know, racial things, religious things, guns, you know, if you're into all that stuff. This, go back to 1980. So what? Uh, I feel like that's 80 years ago just because it says 80 in the, in the name. But I think that's only about 30 years ago, right? Uh, 31 years ago. And go back and where we are today um, with cops having huge guns and, and military um, training and all this and that sort of stems from this uh, caper gone wrong. So yeah, check out Norco 80. It's a great podcast. And uh, yeah, I think you'll like it. All right, let's get into this week's show. Shall we, Tobor? <laughs> Thanks for that one. Hey, baby. So listen, you were supposed to research the 300s and I didn't mean... The movie The 300, I definitely did not mean uh, the book The 300 or the Frank Miller, whatever you were reading me there. I don't know where you got your history from. You're probably reading Wikipedia again. Yes. Yes. Okay. Is this my revenge? Is this is all you're going to say to me? And by the way, anybody that's been listening, Tobor, yes, he wasn't lying. Uh, he, he's cobbled together now out of a few things that we had laying around the garage. <clears throat> excluded, and I just wanted to say that this is probably going to be uh, your voice for now on, buddy, and I hope you're okay with that. Um, so, hey, let's get into this week's show. Yeah, so you didn't research anything, so uh, here we go. There's a whole bunch of nothing here. Um, <laughs> wow. 
good thing I did a little bit of research, and we're going to talk first things first about some events going on right around here in SoCal. So give me some dance music, Tobor. At least your <laughs> 13 trillion robotic fingers. What? We don't have any dance music? Really? Yeah. Spin it up on your little thing there. <laughs> yeah. All right, baby. Listen up. February 21st. Hey, happy Valentine's Day, by the way, everybody. I hope you went and uh, stuck it in the exhaust pipe of your bike. What? Stuck what in the exhaust? That's disgusting. Jeez, who wrote this? Copy. All right, listen up. Um, we got going down here on the February 21st, 2021, the VVMC, which is the Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club third Sunday ride. I can't confirm it, but on their uh, on the web I found this out, but their venicevintage.com website has April 18th at 10 a.m. as the very first ride of 2021. But I found this on a website with motorcycle events that their uh, third Sunday ride's happening 221, 2020. I guess go check out their uh, Facebook page or something if you want to find out for sure. But at any rate, head down to Venice. The weather's nice right now. And uh, have a little bit of fun riding your motorbike down the PCH. Listen, February 22nd through the 27th, 2021. Skidmark Garage. Steve Noble from Noble Moto and Moto Go. We've had Steve on the show. Maybe we need to have the other two people on the phone or on on the show. They'll be holding a week-long virtual shop class for anyone who wants to sign up. Last time I looked, it was 25 bucks, and it's an all-you-can-learn buffet. If you never thought that, sh- you know, you're, you're really upset that they took shop class out of school back when you were a kid and you had to take arts and crafts, and it wasn't the type of arts and crafts that makes you a craftsman or a craftsperson or a, a moto artist for that for that matter, or a carb artist, or an intake artist, uh, which are all things you can be down at <laughs> Tito's. T- oh, never mind. Anyway, go over to uh, check them out on Instagram or go to Skidmark Garage um, and you'll see where to sign up or go to Moto, Glo- Moto Go, which I believe is Cleveland specific, and you'll be able to check out their shop classes. 25 bucks, all you can learn. Uh, go for it. Uh, 227, 2021, the Lady Riders of London are having a social gathering at the Ace Cafe from 1 to 2. All level of women riders are uh, welcome. I believe they're actually going to have a beginning riders class. So, or not class, but like a little talk about like uh, riding bikes. So if you're a lady and you like to ride or you've even thought about riding and you haven't done it yet, Ace Cafe, baby, 220, uh, or actually 227. I almost said 228. Don't go there on the 28th. You just see a bunch of old guys with a bunch of crappy bikes drinking coffee. 227s when all the ladies are going to be there. And dudes that are going to be going down there that creep on all the lady riders, I mean, that's your choice. But uh, this is for ladies, man. So don't ruin it by uh, parking your crummy bikes out in the front where they're going to be trying to ride. Uh, 228. That is February 28th. SoCal Cycle Swap Meet at the Veteran Stadiums down in Long Beach. Uh, we always tell you about this when it happens on the last Saturday of every month. This year, February 28th happens to be the last Saturday, which is actually a Sunday. Go figure. It happens the last Sunday of every month. Uh, and I said Saturday because I was so excited about the Lady Riders of London social gathering at the Ace Cafe. Uh, March. Fifth, which is just around the corner now, to March 14th is Daytona Bike Week. Now, this tells you something about the Florida education system. Five to 14, that, that's longer than a week, if I counted right. That's at least a week and a few days, which tells you something about the Arkansas education system. <laughs> My man, that could be a week, I don't know. Uh, anyways, March 5th through the 14th is going to be Daytona Bike Week. It's the 80th 
annual, baby. And last year, Daytona Bike Week almost got shut down by COVID, but it's going live this year. Check out DaytonaBeach.com forward slash Bike Week for details and uh, do what every kid did last year from Iowa and Indiana and everywhere else. Go down to Florida, spread the Rona, and check out some bikes while you're at it. This year, I don't know if it's going to have all the glitz and glam that it did last year where the flat tracking and road racing and a motocross round is happening. Um, And if it does, I hope it doesn't get shut down. And uh, if you're a kid that's still there partying from last spring break, uh, when like the outbreak was, quote, supposedly the heaviest, uh, which I don't think it really was until the middle of the year. But anyway, nobody has nobody has a summer slash autumn break. Uh, but yeah, tell us how it is. If you're still down there partying from last year, tell us tell us how it is. Uh, March. 26th through the 29th. Yeah, that's it. Club Bull Taco Australia is having their 20th annual Spanish motorcycle rally, or it just says 20th. Maybe it's not, maybe they do one every 10 weeks. Maybe it's like a, um, you know, like Big Brother or Survivor where there's 20 seasons, but they do like three seasons a year. I don't know. It's the 20th Spanish Motorcycle Rally. It's happening at 844 Turrendale Road in Duramana, New South Wales. I hope that I pronounced all of that right. Duramana, mate. It's Duramana. Go. <laughs> watch out for drop bears. Yeah, dude, watch out for drop bears. I heard they are awful out on Turnendale Road. Um, but anyway, check that out. All Spanish motorcycles are welcome. So if you've got your bull tacos, what's another Spanish brand? Like a Montesa, I think Asas are Spanish, a Gas Gas. Um, I can't think of any other Spanish-made uh, motorbikes, but yeah, if you've got a Spanish-made motorbike, Perilla, that sh- that should be Spanish, but that's probably Italian. Um, but anyway, yeah, take it, take them down there um, to the uh, the twentieth Spanish motorcycle rally put on by Club Bull Taco Australia. Um, hey, listen to this good stuff, March. No, April. April 10th. We're already getting into April. There's a lot of stuff happening in March, but April, baby. April 10th, Ridgecrest, California. Former home of the uh, SCCA Rally Championships and amongst other things. There's a bunch of stuff that happens out in Ridgecrest. I think some hare and hound scrambles. A bunch of motorcycle and off-road related stuff. But this time, Biltwell is holding a little desert race called the Biltwell 100. For more info, check out Biltwell100.com. It's all sold out as a racer, so you're just going to have to take your uh, Biltwell beer koozie, your Biltwell um, beanie, and wear some of your awesome um, Biltwell helmets out there into the woods and spectate. And there's nothing I'd rather... Who wants to race when you can drink beer, curse, and uh, moon the racers as they go by? That's where the fun's at. And make crummy jokes in the meantime. When you're on the bike, you got to like concentrate and worry that you're going to wipe out and like break your equipment, ruin your stuff ruin your dreams and hopes um if you're a spectator you get drunk you tell jokes the whole time and just sit around with your friends drinking waiting for people to come by and when they do come by like i said moon them um show them your boobs whatever you're gonna do just have fun out there um in the woods of ridgecrest california april 10th april 10th if you have any events that you want us or the world to know about send it to creative writing uh podcast at gmail.com if you have any hate mail, go ahead and send it to contact at knucklemoto.com and uh, they'll take care of it and let us know. And in the meantime, let's get back to the show. Thanks, Tilbor. That was good. I like that. That was some good uh, good music there. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, I know. 
All right, so get your speak box up, and uh, yeah, I know yet to takes a second to transition. All right, while we wait to get Tobor, <coughs> while we wait to get Tobor with us, let's take a quick, quick break, and we'll be right back with some more creative writing, which I'm we just got into. I'm sure you're fiending for it already. So yeah, we'll be right back. This is T0B0R, and boy do I love Clobman's new product. It makes me feel like a brand new sentient robotic being. The zip and pizzazz that it produces in my neural cortex module makes me feel like a million bytes. I know that if I use the specially formulated pickle lubricant, I can take on any task and succeed. I can do that anyways because I'm a robot. This copy is a DR. Like I was saying, Dill Slickle, the new pickle-based lubricant from Clogman's Pickles will leave your motorcycle feeling as good as me. Listen. For over 125 and a half years, no pickle has been more trusted by motorcycle champions everywhere than Clobman Pickles. You want to win your race? Put a Clobman Pickle in your face. Clobman's guaranteed. I'm not a Clobman, and I recommend Clobman Pickles for the win. You heard, Mama. Put a Clobman's in your mouth and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clobman's, the only pickle for motorcyclists. Hey, Tobor! Welcome back to Creative Writing, everyone. Uh, Tobor, I had no idea that you were on Clobman's payroll. I mean, I knew they were financing the show a little bit, but... Um, so tell me about this new Dill Slickle. Is that like a, a racing lubricant or like a high performance some sort yes, of? Yes, it is for ultimate high performance. Sweet, bro! I had no idea. Um, that's cool. Uh, I don't know. Never mind. I was gonna ask you about uh, you know how it made you feel, but I'm not gonna get into that territory. We will let the uh, listeners and users find out for themselves. So yeah, go try it today. Some Dill Slickle, and we need to up the. Uh, that copy said for 126 years, I'll have you know, Clobman's Pickles is now older than me. Older than dirt, frankly. So I'm pretty dang old. Uh, I think they came out the year I was born. Uh, and I'm 142 now, or something like that. 137? I don't know how old I am. But uh, yeah, Clobman Pickles, much, much older than 126. Listen, uh, we don't. Listen. We're kind of we're kind of stuck now for the show tonight. Junkie, I am sorry that I didn't research the correct topic for the show this week. That's okay, Tobor. Listen, I understand. Um, we're gonna we're gonna sw- we're gonna roll with it because I still I still wanted to talk about some of these amazing vehicles that have been coming out, and we, we oddly enough we we kind of hit on the same topic. Ooh, I want to say in 2016, something like that. Uh, 2015. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get there, but because that's when when a few other things came out. So, anyways, uh, yeah, let's roll with the news here. I have a, I have a few notes here. Let's just get into that really fast, and then uh, we'll get into uh, something that's been bugging me all week. So, listen, I don't know why I even have this in the news here. We haven't done the news for a long, long time, 
Uh, Honda sweeps the Dakar Rally. This happened last month. Uh, if you're if you're just now listening, the Dakar Rally, eh, it's a world famous rally. It is nothing. It's going to be nothing like the Biltwell 100. Uh, but at least they got something for everybody. Uh, I really dig the fact that they have um, a class for everybody. Back when I used to watch it back in the day. Uh, they were just, you know, they had quads, motorbikes, um, and cars basically. And then they started racing the support trucks. Well, now they have side-by-sides. I think there's a trophy truck class. Um, obviously motorcycles and quads. Uh, if they had those before, they weren't televised. Um, sort of like the Isle of Man TT. They have a sidecar race, but, uh, that doesn't get as much press and, and prestige as the, uh, the regular races. So, um, yeah, having said that, Dakar Rally was on. Go check it out. Honda took the second win in a row, I think. Um, it's usually like a KTM-dominated event, if memory serves correctly. But, yeah, so now Honda uh, taking the second win in a row. Ricky Brabeck, I think, won it last year in the, from the U.S. And uh, he took second this year, I believe. And his uh, teammate, I think, uh, Argentinian guy, won this year. So, yeah, congrats, Honda. Like I said, I have no idea why that was in our notes. Um, what else is in our notes? Oh, the Hayabusa's back. Do you care? All that much? No. Okay. Yes. It is. <laughs> no or yes? Which which one? Listen, I don't think anybody cares that much, Tobor. And we all knew that the Hayabusa was not going away. Uh, we're going to touch on this in another episode probably. But let me just say, the Hayabusa... No one is going to get rid of their flagship bike. Could you imagine, Honda, one day you open up the Honda website and the CBR1000RRRRRR is not on there anymore? Not going to happen. Their flagship speed bike, one year the fastest production bike ever made, you know, that was its claim to fame. And then Kawasaki the very next year was like, here, have a ZX14. You like we like your GSXR thirteen hundred, but here's a GS uh, a ZX fourteen. Boom, you know. Um, so the the reason that we're gonna uh, we'll talk about it in a later episode is because uh, I you know we should have known it wasn't leaving. So let's just put it at that. We'll keep we'll keep that for another uh, another episode. Um, and also, um, it was around. This is the funny thing about it, and we should probably save this for that episode. But I'll give you a little sneak peek right now. It actually died, I think, the same year that the KLR 650, which, hey, that might be coming back as well. Uh, it it died the same year that thing died, which I believe was 2018. Now, if you went to Kawasaki's site in 2019 and 2020, you could still see the KLR 650 on there. But if you clicked on it and selected that, it would tell you, hey, this is a 2018 KLR 650, where the Hayabusa... Ugh, I just bit my lip. The Hayabusa. Oh, it kept coming back. Um, what, what they did is they said, hey, listen, we've got all these Hayabusas probably from Europe and elsewhere uh, that aren't VIN-plated for the U.S. Um, let's not just crush them or put them in a warehouse and try to sell them, you know, as old old stock. You know, who wants to buy a, a 2018 Busa in 2020? Uh, we got to keep keep making the, making the money somehow, right? Keeping the cheddar rolling into the Suzuki cheddar factory. So what they did is they said, hey, it doesn't pass anywhere else except for the United States. I don't know if that's because Trump rolled back the um, EPA 
uh, laws or if that's just because we don't meet Euro 5 laws yet or Euro 4 laws, whatever it was. I think it was Euro 5 that we weren't going to, that it wasn't going to meet. And the U.S. hasn't caught up to those yet. So they said, hey, the only place this thing can be sold, good old U.S. of A. So let's let's bring it to North America and sell it. So they did. Uh, and they just re-vinplated it, I think, um, because they offered you a 2020 and I think a 2021 or a 2019 and 20. I forget exactly what it was. Uh, even though technically um, they weren't new. So yeah, they, uh, they they did that. They've done that in the past with the GSX 250R. Uh, they made a whole ton of colors and they didn't even make it for one year. They just sold all of them one year, skipped a year of production and sold the extra colors that they didn't sell here in the States. And then the next year brought back some production and made some more. So that's how they roll sometimes. Now the KLR actually took a break like I said, if you went to Kawasaki's website, you could see it there. But if you clicked on it, it would say, hey, this is a 2018. Um, and you could still buy the new old stock. But we should have known also, they're not going to kill the KLR. The KLR is almost like the off-road ninja. That that motorcycle has been around for so long. Uh, Ryan Fortnine from uh, Fortnite. If you go to YouTube and check out Fortnite, did a loving tribute to the KLR 650. Such a good video on that bike and why it's such a good bike. Um, and uh, a fitting tribute, um, put it through the ringer, did everything to it, and yeah, go watch the video, and was real sad about it going away. We should have known it wasn't gonna be going away. Um, like I said, it would be it'd be like uh, it'd be like Honda without a CB something or other. You just you can't fathom that. You know, other bikes may come and go, um, but that one definitely not. Um, it's almost like when uh, Suzuki tried to get rid of the SV650. So that is my other note. Plus, the world of 300s, and that's what I wanted to talk about tonight. So instead of talking about that, let's carry on this conversation. Uh, about the KLR 650. It is pertinent to something that's going on. So uh, to come roll backwards a little bit, uh, one of our patrons reached out. I think I have the... Uh, let me grab the email right here. So our patron, um, Phil from Colorado, reached out. Hang on a sec. I swear there's a clown in the studio. Oh, that was not a clown. Charles Babbage, you scared me, junkie. I scared you? I thought that was a clown. I hate clowns. I hate them, too. They trigger my balloon animal sensor in an immaculate way. Oh, you have a balloon animal sensor? That is... That's insane. Anyway, it turns out that was wrapping paper of something Christmassy, and it was turned upside down, and whoever designed that is dubious. It looked like a clown. My apologies. So... There's no clown in the studio. Thank God. There was a coyote earlier outside. I don't know if we got that on tape or mentioned that earlier either. Uh, so listen, let's get back to this KLR discussion here. So the KLR 650, we were just talking about how they brought this back. And it is... Ah, Tobar, don't... You almost fell down on a clown. Whoa, just kidding. Uh, it is pertinent because... Um, basically because of our patron, uh, Phil, who, who uh, wrote in this week. And he say... Yo, dude. Um, I called him Baby Blue Eyes. We don't need to read that part. Ooh, that was kind of, yeah. Here we go. Greetings and salutations, master of things that other people discard. Garbage collector. Yeah, that's me. Uh, anyway, hey, it's great to hear from you. Wait, yabba yabba yabba. It's been a bananas year. He's got a new girlfriend. I think he's got a new job. Um, 
and a whole bunch of other stuff. Barely time to listen to the show. Hey, me either. I quit listening to the motorcycle podcast altogether. Uh, but thanks for staying on the air. It's helped me stay sane. Thank you. Thank you. It's helped me stay sane, too. Looking forward to warm weather. Listen, bro, I know right now that in Texas, half my coworkers can't even make it into work because they are, uh, you know, deep in a cold snap. And they can't get power. They're right on the verge of not being able to get food or gas. Actually, they can't get food or gas. And they're going to be running out of power because the generators are going down, even companies. So, bro, I hope you wrote this to me before all this went down. But I hope right now Colorado is not in the same spot that Texas is in. Um, Anyway, uh, uh, let me skip down a little bit. He's thinking of getting a dual sport. He asked this of the Nokomoto guys as well. And he said the DR650, the KLR650, the XR650, or the TE630. Do you have an experience or advice on which one? And he says, I'm thinking KLR because of KLR. And I say, yes, KLR because of KLR. He he ends this uh, missive with the um, the statement, Tobor is a bitch. I'm just wondering what you think of that. Like... <laughs> Listen, bro. Don't make me write an epic song about a guy whose name rhymes with Daldo. <laughs> well, hey, I'm glad you mispronounced that last uh, word wrong because I would have had to bleep it. But yeah, Fildo. Uh, yeah, no, you are. I agree with Fildo. Listen, but you do keep it real. He says he he did say that, but he says but he keeps it real. So you do keep it real. Thanks, thanks for doing that. Um, so listen, Fildo, I'm gonna tell you what. There's nothing wrong with the DR650. All right, that is just the same old bike you've been getting for a long time. Uh, bold new graphics, Suzuki style. It's a great bike. And uh, Suzuki actually makes or made up until a couple years ago the DR200. And also they make a DR400 and DR400 SM. They are one of the only OEMs and for a while have been the only uh, OEM making a supermoto version. So um, I would say maybe even consider a uh, a DR400 if you're looking to touch the taint uh, of motorcycling uh, where you can go either way you can go you can go dirt or you can go street it literally is the the motorcycling uh, version of the taint listen there's nothing wrong with that the DR but you you didn't ask about the SM you, I mean or the DR400 you're asking about the 650. There's nothing wrong with that 650. They're a little tall for me specifically. Uh, then again, I am less than uh, five feet. I am uh, getting less. I'm less than four feet actually. If you want to split hairs, I am uh, four foot nine. Um, so actually, I'm less than that now. I actually went to the doctor the other day. So they are a little small, uh, a little tall for me. Even the 250s and four 400s are just about uh, maximum height for me. So not that the KLR is any smaller or the XR650, but that's something else. The XR650 is uh, pretty big. Now, I used to have an XR250 back in the day, um, and that thing was torquey as all get out. Uh, I, I probably weighed, I'm going to say I weighed around 150, 160, and that thing could huck me uh, now I weigh 320, but back when I was 160 or somewhere around there, 140, 160, somewhere in that neighborhood, that thing could huck me pretty dang far. It would hooli just, you know, you touch the throttle wrong and you would do wheelies. Uh, it could launch you through the air. It probably had somewhere in the neighborhood of half the horsepower of my stinking um, 
SCR 950, which has like 40-something or maybe 50 horsepower, I'm going to guess that that 250 had somewhere in the neighborhood of like 20 horsepower. Maybe I wouldn't. I don't know about 25, but that's half of this friggin' 950, and we're talking a 250. So um, they're good. And the, the bigger you get on Hondas, to me, also the taller they got. So the X, the 500s, the CR500s and stuff like that, just too tall for me to even sit on. Uh, the XRs sort of the same. They're just they're big to me. Um, now the KLR, the only reason I would say to go with the KLR, and I believe you did. Uh, I believe I believe Nokomoto told you to go with the KLR. Um, then the TE six thirty. Let's not even talk about that. They they don't even make those anymore. I don't think. So you're talking about a, a, a right out of the gate. You're talking about a vehicle that um, you're not going to find support for, right? And Tobor, let's get some. Yeah, there we go. We need some epic sight music for this. And I like that you're playing some 80s stuff. Tober, I'm not hearing it. There we go, baby. Yeah. We got this excite music going for you. Now listen. I like that uh, we're playing this kind of 80s kind of jam here because the KLR has been around since the 80s. I think 83, 86, somewhere around there. Uh, go watch Fortnite's video on it. He made, a, he made that wonderful video, and uh, you won't regret it. Now listen, it's full of history and hijinks. But what, what it also brings with it is that the KLR was only redone one time in 2015, I believe it was. I don't even remember if it got fuel injection. I'm terrible. I should know this. Uh, it's what I do for a living, research vehicles. Uh, so yeah, uh, it got, it got one change really. I mean, there was some small changes here and there. Of course, you're, you're not going to have the same exact part, but what you are going to get is basically the Chevy version of a motorcycle. And what I mean by that, I have, I had a buddy that loved, loved, loved his Chevy 350. Um, partially because it was a crate motor. You could just grab it and throw a brand new motor in your car. Who, who knows when it was made, you know? Uh, they fit cars, they fit trucks. It came in, came in. It was very modular, um, but you could also go to the auto parts store and you could buy the same water pump or the same brake vacuum booster or near, near, dang near same uh, for your 1970 350 or your like 1993. So I mean, these things spanned a lot, you know, a, a, a massive production run and, and maybe even into the 200s. I was not really like a, a Chevy car guy. I was always into weird cars like, you know, Volkswagens and Ferraris and stuff like that. So uh, all my other buddies were into hot rods and crap. So they always knew, yes, this, uh, what's it called? This uh, particular pump or like this, this intake manifold will fit uh, uh, five generations of cars. And I feel like that's what you're getting with the KLR650. That's what you're not going to get with the DR650 because, sure, it's been around for a while, but it doesn't have the cult. It does It does actually have a nice little cult following, but not quite the one that the KLR has. Um, the KLR was used by the military. Uh, there are several different, uh, I think it had to run on six different fuels, uh, you know, just like most military vehicles do. Um, I think they made a diesel version of it. They've made electric KLRs. They make all sorts of like gun 
uh, racks for them and all sorts of, if you're like a bug out, you know, especially with 2020 just happening and, and us joking about zombie apocalypse bikes in the past, but you can't go wrong with the KLR. And let me just leave it at that. I don't need to go into full detail about all the aftermarket stuff that's available and all the ADV rider respect that you're going to get and all the street cred you're going to get when you roll up with your gigantic African Sahara size fuel tank that'll get you across the whole continent of Africa. Maybe maybe you'll be able to do the long way up on one tank of gas, right? That's what you get with the KLR, and that's why I would go with it. Um, these other ones, not that they're not great bikes. Honda obviously makes really reliable stuff. The XR 650 has been around forever, but what it hasn't got is a, is a refresh like the KLR has. Now, the KLR has also been around forever, but at least it got a refresh, and it's getting refreshed for 2022. The 2022 model is actually coming out with two separate packages now, too, like the Adventurer and the Traveler or something like that. One's got panniers, one's got a top box. Um, before, the only real, quote, like... Uh, package was like that camo that crazy camo that it came with like the fragmented gray camo that their quads come with too like if you ever get like a a, a brute force or something like that um those come with that quad or the gray camo also the mules like the new mules come with that that was your biggest option in the past from the factory but now it's going to start coming out with a whole bunch of stuff the best part about the klr coming out with all that jazz no price change Huh? The price has changed very little. Um, and even even these new packages are only adding like uh, a few hundred to like a thousand dollars on top of the on top of the uh, the base price there. So I would go with KLR. That is where my money is at, my man. Um, and thanks for writing in, Phil. It was good to hear from you. Um, secondly, patron, next patron on our roster. Narissa, Narissa from MKE. I swear she was just here, or she was just up there racing ice, like last week or something. And now this week she's down here with her hubs in SoCal. They were at the uh, SoCal Supermoto School, and I'm kind of bummed. I didn't know they were going to be down, or else I would have said, "Hey, man, I uh, pop in and uh, let's hang out for a little bit." So. So last but not least, I want to talk about uh, Tobor, who is someone that has been in and out of the motorcycle um, sphere, let's just say, the motorcycle realm, uh, over and over for the past few years that you can think of right off the top of your head. Eric Buell. Uh, Fair play. Er Eric Buell, yeah, but that's not how I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the Wingman's Garage podcast. Do you remember Wingman's Garage? Were you around when they were on? No. Okay, well, they were our buddies, uh, and Chris and Daniel the Track Rat had, uh, and there was actually a host of a whole bunch of people, actually. Uh, they would always talk about Moto America. It was a great show. Uh, if you're, uh, there is an actual Moto America podcast. I think it's called The Inside Line. Inside Line with the Bice and Carruthers. It's really hard to say. That's a, That doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Um, but these guys uh, from the Wingman's Garage, they are all about it. They race. I know Daniel races, and I think Chris used to race. They're all about Moto America. And although they bagged on the bagger racing last year, which I think they totally missed the mark on, because if they've seen it, I, I think they actually turned the corner on it. Um, yeah, they were, they were bagging on it. But 
they go listen to that show. Uh, they they've been around for quite a while. They were one of the few shows that was out when I first started this, and now there's like uh, every time you turn around, there's seven more motorcycle podcasts out there. But it's a good show. Not to bag on them. Um, uh oh. We have determined that you are bagging. Yeah, we took a quick break there to decide. Am I bagging? I'm not bagging on uh, wingmans for sure, but I am going to bag a little bit on our bros over at Nokomoto. Okay, on the last Nokomoto episode 136, they had a segment, well, their whole show was called An Airing of Grievances. And I just wanted to say, they talked about, they do Best Worst Bike, which I love. It's a good segment. Um, and then one of the bikes, well, the best bike I believe they're talking about was the Ermaki Chimera. Here's what they had to say about it. I have searched YouTube also. I can only find one video on YouTube of someone riding one. And all they do is like take it out of a garage, go down the street a block, and then come back. Because they're just worth so much money. Right. Like, like this is NR750 money. So NR750, for anybody that doesn't know, is the crazy Honda 750 with the oval pistons and and all that fun stuff. Uh, Tobor, what do NR750s go for? They would basically have sold for $64,000 in today's currency. Meckham's had one with a value of $75,000 to $100,000. All right. And so, you know, $100,000, that ain't that ain't too shabby. There's nothing to uh, not shake a stick at, right? So um, let's see what else, uh, what else the Nokomoto boys had to say about the venerable Aramaki Chimera. Uh, if I was stupid, stupid rich... I, I would own like one of these, but like, pay you know, some like Hollywood trainer, you know, to, to get me into the kind of shape to just ride one of these shirtless around the south of Italy, just waving like a, a overjoyed fool at everyone that passed me. I think he actually already does that, by the way, though. And people are aware of what it is in the design, but then there's stuff like just just random like old old british makes of bike that just were only around for 10 years and they were super limited run and now they're just worth stupid money to the right collectors but this you look at it and you sort of get it you're like okay this rolls over the block and yeah and it, calls are being made it's not a silver tone guitar it's i have a right. silver tone guitar it's actually worse yeah i have a silver tone Two, but like, what do you think it costs to just accidentally tip one of these over? It would almost make at one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. At one hundred and twenty thousand. At one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Now listen, I have seen a chimera in person. I took a picture of one. I rubbed my sweaty testicles on it. I also just had a huge coyote walk by the studio and give a big old howl. Uh, so I don't think I'm going to be leaving the studio tonight. Tobor, get your <laughs> shotgun ready. Um, anyways, yeah, I I don't know about the $120,000. I'm not going to say they didn't see one for $120,000 somewhere. I just don't feel... If you know what the 
uh, Air Maki Chimera is. This is what the this is the motorcycle slash scooter they're talking about. It is very Art Deco. It is very. Um, it looks like that car that Dodge, I believe it was Dodge or Chrysler made. They had the turbo engine, the turbine, like down the, the center of it. It looks like that. I mean, this thing, it looks like a Honda Dream um, had a baby with that car. Uh, just think 1950s. Um, and it is a lot of Art Deco stuff, but so is the Honda Dream. And uh, so is the new Super Cub to, you know, if we're, if we're going to talk about these weird little... Um, vehicles like this but not that it's not cool i just don't know where i mean i've seen one in the person in person at the californian of all places which is one of crazy brady walker's shows so um i just had to question how much how much are these things worth this thing really got me thinking about this this is definitely the point i mean i know marijuana is legal here and in colorado but this is the point that definitely no let me know the boys were high as and then it skyrockets up it goes down a bit then it goes up a bit and then they just sort of become because there's so many rich people that are invested in them as tax shelters that there's no way they're gonna go down how to invest in a vehicle as a tax shelter hmm hmm let me see. A tax shelter is something that you use to keep taxes at bay, uh, like a 401k or like an IRA or something where you're paying in, uh, you know, free from tax and you're allowed to take it out. Usually a little bit more tax free at the end. It's like a strategy. Let's see. Tax. Let's see. Municipal bonds, mortgage, interest deductions, 401ks. Um, where uh, in the like does it say vehicles? Like, oh, I don't see vehicles on here. And if I listen to enough Adam Carolla car cast about him just bitching and moaning about how, uh, in you know, cars actually end up costing you more money in the long run than you will ever make back from them. And we're talking like Ferraris and stuff like that. Not an Aramaki. What is this thing like a 250? Um, Art Deco scooter that they said, you know, has a certain customer. This is ridiculous. Listen to this. To like take this to like an like a grand master mechanic who could take it apart and pay him to just fabricate a complete duplicate of it. Right. Well, and just ride that around. Well, again, with that 120000 I'm not exactly sure. They come up for sale so rarely. It's one of those things where, like, no one really knows what they're worth until one is sold every once in a while. Tobor, here's one right here. Meekums. 2019, which is actually even newer than that, uh, a little bit newer than that NSR that you looked up was. For a hundred thousand bucks. Is that hundred and twenty thousand? At a hundred and twenty thousand dollars. So this is a 1958 Armaki Chimera 250cc engine designed by Alfredo Bianchi of uh, Bianchi Bicycle fame um, and Bianchi Bianchi fame. So it's part of the MC collection of Stockholm, originally part of the Gilmo Paglini collection, formerly owned by Giovanni Cabassi of Moto Arte Design in Milan, Italy. Um, aluminum bodywork with thin chrome accents, single monoshock rear suspension. This is pretty bitchin'. Um, yeah, this is great. Awesome. 1958 Armaki Chimera. Very, very uh, prestigious bike. What did this... Uh, 
What's this auction say, Tobor? How much was this? Uh, let's see what one sold for. What, what was this uh, sale for? At $120,000. Estimated to sell for $9,000 to $12,000. Jeez, you don't have to yell in my ear. So listen, Tobor, sounds like you're 100000 Uh It sounds like you're 10 times a little short with that $12,000 estimate. I'm not saying they didn't find one for $120,000, but I just don't think that these things are the rarest, craziest best bike in the world uh, why do why am i taking why am i taking uh I, I the real reason that i'm upset with the nokomoto boys isn't their or maki camara or their outrageous claim that they're worth that much money um the rc211 3vs street version sold for eighty four thousand dollars. current value less than that it's called depreciation um, and it happens to everything until, until you know, this is the last motorcycle on the earth that somebody wants. And then they'll go up in value. But the real reason that I'm upset with them is because I just I feel like they made the president of Nokomoto, I'm sorry, of the Moto One Podcast Studios really upset while he was back there in the uh, Moto One Studios. And he came back out here to Burbank. And he gave me some guff for it. He made us pick him up at John Wayne Airport of all airports. Uh, he must not. Never mind. If you come out to California, never mind. Never mind. Anyways, I just, I guess my beef was like, I was listening to their show while I'm driving home and he's just ranting and blabbing in my ear about it. And we, I had to go to John Wayne to pick him up. Worst airport couldn't came came into burbank right where the studio is no i gotta fly into you know (laughs) crazy central um down there in orange county so anyway long story short i guess i was just a little mad and this is just what i was listening to as he was targeting targeting me for things that i know he was mad at nokomoto about he they make they always make him upset and then next thing you know He's back here ranting at me, you know, whatever. Anyways, guys, I, I'm sorry to have put you on the spot like that. I, I, It's fine. I shouldn't have done it. All right, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back. I'll, I will call him. I'll do do some penance with the, the boys from Nokomoto, and we'll be right back um, after these commercial messages. Billy Guy Builds Motorcycle Washing Services. Give Billy a try. Hi, Billy Guy Bell. You give me water and a bucket, I'll wash your motorcycle. It'll be good clean. Billy Guy Build, getting motorcycles clean since 25 weeks ago. Billy Guy Builds, located in Burt Town. Hi, Billy, get your motorcycle sparkly. Billy washes baggers, cruisers. Naked bikes, sport bikes, drag bikes, scooters, monkey bikes, mini bikes, bikes that don't even run. Call Billy now, 555-273-BILLY. You call me and book your appointment to wash your motorbike. That's Billy Guybelds Motorcycle Washing Services, just outside of Luckerville, Bloyton and Stancran in Blimey Town. Billy Guybuild's Motorcycle Washing Services. Don't forget it, punk. Yeah, bitch. 
Churros are yummy. Give them a lick. It's like glazing sugar on a crummy old stick. If you got churros on your mind, head down to Don Churros down in Anaheim. Churro time. Churro time. And it is Don Churro time. Welcome back, everybody. This is Creative Writing. Listen, Tobor, we we got to get some new, uh, what's it called, uh, ad copy. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Billy is about 14 years old <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I know. Billy Guybell, I mean, that was only recorded last year. He was 13. <laughs> I know he sounded like a four-year-old boy, but he was 13 when he recorded that. But yeah, it's uh, been a couple of years. Maybe he was 12 when he did that one. But yeah, he's 14 now. We got to get that little... Uh, where he sounds like Baby Billy off of there. Sounds like we're doing like illegal child labor, you know, authoring, authorizing his parents to, uh, you know, work him to the bone. I know they're taking his money. They smoke cigarettes, lots of cigarettes. But by, by the way, uh, let's uh, that's a good segue, Tobor. Smoking cigarettes. What does it have to do with riding motorcycles? Well, let me tell you all about it. Um, listen, uh, so. One of our we we've been asking people questions on our Instagram for a little bit now, and a while back, I think the very 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 first question I asked is, "What would this podcast smell like?" You know, if it smelled, which it might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't. Um, here's the first answer I got from from Bruce Philp at This Motorcycle Life. Great podcast. Go check it out when you get a chance. Pizza, for sure. Pizza. And then Narissa says, uh, uh, from MKE, from Milwaukee, says, yeah, I say pizza mixed with two-stroke exhaust. And that's not wrong. I would have to say yes. I would, I would, uh, I give myself a pizza facial quite often, but I don't actually eat pizza. So, um, yeah. All I need to do now is just buy a two-stroke to make make that dream a reality. My, my motorbike obsessions, uh, great blog, our buddy Matt, he's over in Japan, he's also a Patreon supporter, says, like that time I rode my cub by the wastewater treatment plant, but in a friendly way. And to him I say, also, that's accurate. Uh, Slade the Dragon, uh, Taylor Slade from the old uh, Stock Us for Squares podcast 4,000 years ago says I've always smelled you as a banana Laffy Taffy and I thought that is the <laughs> that is the sweetest thing anybody said to me in a long time Slade thanks um, and I hope you're still shropping your uh, your uh, I think you had a gas gas or something I hope you're still shropping out there in the Utah desert buddy um, and uh, I should hook up with them again pretty soon um dean's dina's the martinez says it's sugar store at universal hollywood and i have to say uh when i'm dancing thursday nights or actually at tuesdays now at tito's that is what i smell i smell just like the sugar store at universal hollywood too sweet to eat but too sticky not to touch i don't know but i'll figure out something cool to say um ben and shelly says bubble gum dirty feet and a hit of Old Spice. And today I say, yes, that is accurate as well. So that's a little segue. That was like one of the very first questions I asked. I try to ask one question a week. Um, And that kind of segued into this last week's, uh, we'll skip ahead a few thousand uh, questions, to this last week's um, question, which is, what is the worst thing you've smelled while on a ride? And this one got quite a few answers. Actually, uh, the first thing, again, Bruce Phillip from This Motor- Motorcycle Life podcast says fear. 
I had to be a smart aleck and ask him what type of fear. You know, the fear of the unknown, fear of spiders, the FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out, the fear and loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> he says spiders. Spiders for sure. Well, I'm not scared of spiders, but I have a friend who is. Um, and yeah, he smells funny when he, see, when he sees a sp- spider. It smells like um, poop. Anyways, son of Korax, who is also one of our Patreon supporters. Got a lot of patron supporters in here tonight. Um, says he, uh, oh, somebody said a chicken farm. Who says chicken farm? Somebody says chicken farm. And he says, oh, yeah. Oh, no, here's what I need to do. I need to do all the comments. I think that's what we're, we're missing out on. So Ben and Shelly, aha. They says the uh, the old rendering plant down in Vernon, California. That's almost as bad as this one podcast I listened to. I want to know. I want to know what podcast. <laughs> I bet it's not mine. Um, Bry Viffer, a uh, famous field producer and photographer extraordinaire for creative writing, says as part of a pathology class I took, we visited a coroner's office. Um, to witness an autopsy and the smell of decomposition was unforgettable for weeks after on random rides I would swear I smelled the same thing thinking there had to be a corpse just off the road now that's kind of gross because if you know how you smell stuff it is actually by little particles of the thing going in and interacting with your mucous membrane and your nerves and your nose a smell even when you smell someone's stinky toot is uh, particles of that going up your nose. And that's how you register smell. So think of that next time you smell a dead body off the side of the road. And uh, that takes me back to the one time, a long time ago, I went hiking with my friends and we smelled this putrid stench. I knew there was a dead body somewhere, but we didn't realize it was just in the brush where we were had hiked by. And like three days later, um, the sheriffs came and found uh, somebody had, we were, we were hiking under a bridge and somebody had uh, got killed and thrown off the bridge. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, kind of like a stand-by-me moment. Um, no Nitrous Chris, another patron supporter, says a duck farm. Hmm? And uh, let me see. Somebody said chicken farm. Oh, uh, Lynn Biggs, who was on our um, To Ride or Not To Ride episode. Her and her sister were on there. She says chicken farm. And I've lived next to a chicken farm as a kid. And yeah, every six weeks when they clear out the litters and they bring in the new little chick chickens... Um, yeah, that will stink like crazy. Um, so Son of Corax, who is a Lance Perry up there in uh, the colds of, of Canada. Lance, I hope you're doing really good. He says he seconds the chicken farm. There's a huge one close to me um, that's unfortunately on a beautiful stretch of road. So that's, you know, that is a thing. Oh, I can't tell you. Lead Cubby says a paper mill. And I say, yeah, but old books smell great, but making them... <laughs> Stinks. Um, and yeah, you never know. The The smell of production for a lot of things is stank. Like, it is stank. Um, my motorbike obsession's burning oil. Freaks me out every time I smell it while riding. Mm-hmm. And I believe on Facebook we got a couple more uh, uh, answers. And I, yeah, one of them there, I believe, was also Mr. Chris Wiggins. And he said oil and i had a giggle because he was uh burning a little bit of oil on um i think on his uh race bike when he was uh yeah when he was out at the track the other day and i'm trying to get up here i don't see these comments anymore so it sucks if you're on um if you are on uh facebook market or not not marketplace if you're on facebook um 
whatever it is, the page thing, it's it really sucks. Like Facebook really sucks lately. So, anyways, I'm sorry, Wiggins. I can't read your thing, but I think his said oil too. Um, and then there was one more comment. I think Doug Little um, on uh, from the on old motorcycle and misfit misfit from back in the day uh, also had. I think his was oil also, something like that. So anyways, I'll I'll get the Facebooks figured out, dude. This sucks. I hate I hate Facebook on the phone at least. Um so hey, right. So what's the worst smell you've ever smelled uh riding through? And and going back here to the old uh Norco 80 uh podcast I was referring to at the beginning of the show, I do have to say um yeah, when I was a kid and I'd drive from San Diego up to, uh, you know, I guess I wasn't a kid kid, but I was like uh, at least 18. Um, and I'd drive past the dairies at, at Norco um, and just cruise past, you know, on the 215 or whatever it was. And it was stinky, man. And I know there's a lot of motorcycle guys that live out there. And uh, it seems like it's prime territory. If you want a good place to motorcycle, it's got to be stinky. The stinkier, the better. It keeps all the other people out, and you can just uh, live up there in, in stink peace riding your motorbike. Um, so, yeah, what's the worst thing you've ever smelled by, uh, while riding? Email us or, or uh, hit up our Instagram page and, and comment there. So, Tobor, time to get into the main topic of the show. Buddy, are you ready for this? We're How, how far are we into recording? I mean, we didn't, we didn't actually – we're an hour in. We should probably just end the show here. Um, we didn't actually get into, uh, you didn't do any research for it, right? Yeah. Okay. He's shaking his head. No. And you don't even have the sound effects. Pot of, we, we, we're not ready, bro. We are not ready for this. Here, pot up the sound effects real quick. <laughs> Tobor, are you ready for three others, bro? Are you ready for the best? Oh my God. Dubor, are you ready for some motorcycles that are going to blow your tits off, bro? I don't have tits. What? Bro, you're missing out on the best aspect ever. We didn't do any research for a 300 game here that's about to go down, bro. Uh, what do you think about 300s? I think 300s would be the greatest size if you say uh, so, Junkie. I say so, bro. I say so. Listen, uh, obviously we're totally unprepared, so... um. We we had this we've jumped the shark already. We were about to play opera music. Uh, it's already been an hour. We should probably just get out of here and make this show about the topics that we're never going to talk about ever again. But before we do that, before before we do something awesome like that, I think that'd be a great idea. I think that would be a horrible idea. Well, Tobor, I basically don't even remember what I just said like two seconds ago, but I'm about to tell you all about the glorious world of 300s. Oh no, you are about to go down a rabbit hole and we don't have time for that. What do you mean we don't have time for that? We have plenty of time for that. We're only an hour into this podcast. What is that knocking sound? Dude, this, if this garage is not haunted, I don't know what it is. Ugh, God. Yes, I see what you mean. You don't have to type, you could say it in the mic, you don't have to type it uh, just for other people's sake. So listen, Tobor, I'm going to tell you right now. We did an episode a while back called Going Small. I think we even wrote a little spot uh, uh, on our blog about it. It was basically about the 300s. I was so jazzed, might I add, that, uh, you know, the Kawasaki Ninja had moved up from a 250 to a 300. 
They insp- to, to me, they inspired so many people. Honda ditched the Rebel 250. They came out with the Rebel 300. Um, there's been a whole ton of 250 dirt bikes for a long time. Kawasaki's had some great KLX 230s. Uh, Yamaha has had the XT250. All this great jazz. But my friends, it's the time of the 300. And within the last couple years, the 300 market has boomed. I remember now what sparked that uh, article. It was the fact that Yamaha had brought out the, uh, after the Kawasaki Ninja went from 250 to 300, and I know it's gone to 400 now, but Yamaha brought out the R3, which has been around for a little bit now. They just recently brought the MT-03 over, I think in 2019, something like that. Uh, And, uh, you know, there's a ton, ton of 300, 300 size bikes. Uh, BMW for the first time ever brought out a 300 uh, G, a 310 GS um, and a 310R and all this great fun stuff. Bri- uh, Brian Honeycutt, who is a, a friend of the show, um, he has owned multiple R1200 GSs, R1250 GSs, probably a R1200XR. He's he's got like he's got the whole spate of Rs. What he said is the most fun he's ever had is on the GS, and it does everything that the big bikes can do, only better if you fall down. But he said the one thing it lacks is that it doesn't have the fuel. You know, you can't go quite as far or quite as fast on the big bike. That's literally all that matters uh, on that bike for the for you know. Otherwise, 300s where it's at, baby. I think right now. Now, this is going a little bit down the rabbit hole. I'll make it quick. I You don't have to start playing the opera music. But I think that 300s, the 125s really has been the gateway drug to for new motorcyclists to get into riding, not feel like it has to cost an arm and a leg. Uh, Honda's, Honda's really the only one that's doing it well right now, although there are a ton of other 125s. Uh, if you look at... Um, Mexico, like Honda Mexico, that little Navi they have, that thing's pretty sweet. Um, and KTM makes a bunch of 125s. Almost everybody makes a 125, but I feel like it was the gateway drug. And in America, right now, that is what's selling. Uh, you know, Honda Grom is outselling everything. Super Cub worldwide, uh, outselling everything. But in the States, it makes more sense for a 300. And Nothing says, uh, you know, <laughs> nothing says drives this point home better than the fact that uh, the only company that's ever had a factory supermoto out for the longest time, which is the uh, the 400 SM from Suzuki, just got showed up by, well, I hope it got showed up, by the Kawasaki 300 SM little supermoto action. Uh, even Phil was asking earlier about the, the Husky um, 650. Listen, Husky makes a whole ton of 300s. Uh, great size motor. And I don't know. I really wanted to do, I really wish you had done your, you know what? Here, here's what we'll do. We'll put it out to the listeners. What would be your favorite 300 uh, bike? What bike would you like to see that's not a 300 right now? Would you like to see a 300 Nikon? Would more people have bought the Nikon? I mean, it's pretty cheap as it is. If you look at how cheap the Nikon is, uh, it's cheaper than a freaking... Uh, let me think. What, what did I just... Okay, it's cheaper than like a... Um, 
like a, a, a dirt, but like a motocross bike, like one of the competition bikes. Those things are like 10 grand. I was just looking at an RM250 uh, at work. Those are pretty expensive. The RM450, uh, any YZ450, CR, like they're expensive. Nikon, uh, uh, surprisingly, not that much more than a uh, competition motocross bike. Like, uh, yeah, once you slap your own graphics on it and get gear and all this and that, we're talking Nikon price. Uh, so the Nikon is cheap, but I don't think it's going to sell that much. Would it ha- if it was like a 300? Um, c- could Harley make a 300? Speaking of, you know, people that don't make small bikes like BMW. Uh, I was so surprised when they came out with that 310 GS. Um, would Harley do good with the 300? You you guys tell us what you would like to see and also what is your favorite 300 out there on the market? Um, the CRF just got moved up from a two, uh, the Honda CRF 250 Rally just got bumped up to a 300. Uh, and it also competes with the brand new KLX 300 that came out, the KLX 300 Supermoto. Uh, Kawasaki has already had the Ninja 300 uh, came and went already, but the Versus 300, a lot of people forget about that. Uh, you know, they already had a 1000 and a 650, and they got that dang 300. Um, I just feel like it's such a great market. It's a versatile market. Uh, it's fun for old guys that want to get back into riding that don't want a 125 mini bike that's like you know, like a third or not third scale, but you know, a smaller scale. Groms definitely look smaller. Monkey bikes look smaller. The Cub, that's about the only thing that looks the right size because it looks like what it is, which is a scooter. Um, but all the other ones, even like the Z125 Pro, they just look small. Uh, these 300s, at least they look like uh, a regular motorcycle. You know, like if you get a if you get a G310, of course they're not as big as a R1200, but they don't look tiny. They don't look like a, a 125. Um, even though when Kevin down at Steady Garage sandwiches uh, a Ninja 300, oh no, sorry, Ninja, a, a CBR 300 motor into a Grom, it looks factory. It doesn't look too big in the bike. Uh, the, the Grom itself is kind of small, even when compared to a, a CB300. Um, and that's the other thing. I know I've mentioned Kawasaki a bunch here. With they have a they had a Ninja 300 sport bike. They have the Versus 300 uh, dual sport. They have the 300 Supermoto, the 300 uh, K- KLX 300, which is an off-road you know dual sport bike. The, literally, the only thing that they are missing would be like a W 300 to bring or, or a Cruiser 300. Um, and I don't think anybody's going to buy a Cruiser 300, so they're not wasting their time with it. Honda, on the other hand. Has a Rebel 300. They also have a CB 300. They have a CB 300F, a CB 300R. Uh, they had a CBR 300 for a while, uh, or CBR 300R. There's nobody that plays this 300 game quite as well as uh, you know all these companies that you look at their you look at their bikes. You drool over the Goldwing. You drool over the Africa Twin. You talk about the performance of the the race bikes and the MotoGP bikes. Uh, you know, the Kawasaki Ninja ZX-14 has dominated drag racing and, and speed uh, things for quite a long time. The, the H2 came along and blew it out of the water. I think the H2 is probably now one of the fastest production uh, motorbikes besides maybe the BMW S1000RR, I think. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but uh, those are the bikes that I see doing really crazy fast things. Um, but quietly... 
you know, all these flagship bikes, you know, we were, we were making fun of the Suzuki Hayabusa earlier um, and the Suzuki GSX-Rs for all they're worth. But the 300s, man, they're dominating. They are quietly, you know, Honda's, Honda's majority of their lineup, if you look at all the Hondas uh, and you count the displacements, you'll find the biggest displacement between three and 650 cc's. There's so many... Uh, 650s, 500s, and 300s out there, especially now that the CRF 250 got bumped up to a 300. That adds like two more to their stable. There are so many 300s out there. Um, same with Kawasaki. I mean, I know Kawasaki doesn't have quite as many, but they've been playing the 300 game a little bit longer, and they've got the only 300 uh, factory supermoto, or like, you know, uh, D, uh, what am I trying to say? Like like uh, legit for sale supermoto besides the uh, you know Suzuki's, which is I guess 400. It's not like it's a 700, like a like a Husqvarna 701 or whatever. But so it's still it's still small. It's not no 600. Uh, you know, like the Yamaha or the uh, Honda was, but it's still not a 300. I mean, it still is. It, it's big. So I don't know. Think about it. What bikes would you like to see? Tell me what you think. Uh, you know, there's so many people that love bikes like the TW. Uh, a lot of people love the monkey bike. Uh, you know, come to come to think of it, I, I know so many people that are, wanted to get back into motorcycling because of the monkey. Or there's a few people at my work never uh, ridden motorcycle in their life, saw the monkey, wanted to ride it. What if it was 300? You know what I'm saying? Like that would, if the monkey was a 300, I would consider buying one. I just, I love little bikes. I, like I was saying earlier, old guys that are getting back into riding uh, might go for it. Um, young people that are getting into riding might get, go for it. Your old vintage guys that grew up when, when 300s were uh, pretty normal and like super sports were like the 750s and all that stuff. They might even get, you know, dig it. So the same people that are buying a Janus uh, because of the way they look might actually go for, you know, if if Kawasaki did make a W300, they might go for that. So what bikes, what brands, would you buy a Tiger 300? You know, would you buy anything that anybody's making right now? Would you buy it? And uh, I don't think they sell them in this country, but Royal Enfield for the longest time made three... 50s and 500s so uh, we'll, we'll push it to 350 for, for Royal Enfield but would you would you if you dig the interceptor so much would you have uh, dug it if Royal Enfield make a 350 interceptor uh, Tobor what say you for how economical they are and the fuel economy that they are able to achieve a booming 300 class could be a boon for the industry as well as making motorcycling more accessible and fun to new and existing riders mm. i think a lot of used bikes would be the result as well mm-hmm. making secondary and tertiary ridership a likely outcome families wouldn't have to choose between a motorbike for one person or a side by side for four to six people Production could be leveraged on a global basis since much of the world operates on smaller displacement vehicles as it is. And furthermore, if expectations weren't so high, transitions to electric vehicles would have more parity with performance and smaller bikes could potentially be safer to ride. Horsepower and torque makes a lot of riders bold and self-righteous assholes on the road. That is my two megabits. That's what you... This is lame. All right, Tobor, cut. Let's get out of here. 
Um, I don't have anything else to say. Uh, I hope you don't either. Oh, God. Well, that's all we got time for, everybody. Thanks, Tobor. That uh, I wasn't expecting the the insight there at the end. You really you pulled a silent J or a silent Bob on us and just uh, blab at the end. Um, hey, listen, if you have anything that you want to uh, promote on the show, any events, anything cool coming up, don't say the distinguished gentleman's right. I'll punch you right in the face. Um, give us a uh, an email at creativewritingpodcast@gmail.com. Please, if you'd like to subscribe to the show uh, or support the show monetarily, go check us out on Patreon, um, patreon.com forward slash creative writing podcast. Uh, there's, we're, we need to ramp up. We need to do some more stuff for our p- Patreons. We uh, try to do some stuff last summer, try to make 2020 as fun as it could be. Um, had our last spooky spokes last year. We need some, uh, you know, I- I'd love to do some more stuff for our patrons. So, um, if you would like to become a patron and get what we have now, uh, go ahead and go over there. Uh, don't forget, this summer we're going to have our Solstice Slam uh, episode coming up. We're going to get some um, uh, prizes set up for that. Uh, we're going to try and do it a little bit different this year, and I'm going to try and break it into a couple different winners, not just one winner for the whole shebang. Uh, we have a Facebook page called Cobra, which is... Um, the creative online bikers, writers, and artists. Uh, it's like a community online, um, kind of like a little page for you to post your, I don't know, your whatever you want to put there. Put a picture of your bike up there. Do some bike-inspired art. We got some pretty cool art up there right now. It's kind of cool. Um, and put whatever you want there. And then submit your stories. Uh, Solstice Slam is our annual listener submission show. You write, you send in anything and i know last year was a hell of a year people have got to be getting out to ride this year so if you got an epic ride that you did an epic idea an epic bike build that you did some awesome pictures of your bike um you know anything like that a story pros it can be pros i'm actually going to read uh some of my daughters not even motorcycle related stuff uh at some point in this year because i really want to inspire people to be creative okay um Send it all. Send it all to us. That's going to be at slam at creative-writing.com. Send all your stuff there. You can also send it to creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. We will still get it. It'll go to the same mailbox. But, uh, yeah, so Solstice Slam submissions, whether it's a ride story, pictures of your bike, a little a, a story of, like, a, a camp out that you did, an idea that you have for, like, the next greatest thing in motorcycling, an event, uh, a stupid picture of Junkie. What do you think I look like? Draw a picture of me. Um, send it in. We'll post it up on our page or p- post it to our Cobra page. Uh, we'll we'll get in touch there, and I'll, I will keep monitoring that as uh, the summer goes on. Please get out there and ride. Next week, uh, I'll try to talk a little bit about doing things, um, some things that we did over this last summer, over 2020, to keep ourselves busy here at the shop. I'll try to give you some more tips on um, – working on bikes i'm really going to try and make 2021 more creative for everybody uh tips on working on your bike painting uh how to do you know brake bleeds uh check your coolant levels stuff like that give us uh a shout out or you know call us or uh, write us creative writing podcast at gmail.com and leave us a review in itunes soundcloud stitcher spotify overcast pocket cast um google play 
uh, tune in. Uh, wherever you found that, wherever you find us and have found this, please leave a review, tell a friend, even write our name on a bathroom wall, as Will Nerd say. And if you have any hate mail, send it to Nokomoto. Contact Nokomoto Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, with that, we're out of here. Talk to you later and get out there and write. Bye. Bye, Tobor. Thank you for hanging out tonight. Bye.